Amen. You may be seated. Great. We are in the last third of Acts chapter number nine today, and just to just to uh, uh, just a just a, a sort of a review, we had just finished looking at the the conversion of Paul or Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, and his his dealing uh, with. I can't even. I'm drawing a blank. His, the uh, the person he was with <laughs> and his care of 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 Paul or Saul in in the meantime and and we'll see the very last verse of of chapter nine I think is the most important verse in what we're covering today we're gonna, we're going to be looking at Peter and we're, we call I call this today Peter gateway to the Gentiles and this is what's happening in in verses number. Uh, 32 through 43 of Acts chapter 9. So the previous verses were dealing with Paul and his conversion and, and ultimately his call to bring, uh, to be, I didn't say, I, I said bring, but to be the apostle to the Gentiles while Peter is the apostle to the Jews. But ultimately it would be Peter that would first bring the gospel of the kingdom to the Gentiles as well. So we're going to start, we're going to read here in Acts chapter 9. We're going to start with verse, not one. Verse 32 is where we're starting. It says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there be found a certain man named Anus, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Anus, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works, and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, who when they had washed, they had laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. And may the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. So we see two instances of divine healing taking place here as Peter was journeying forth. He go into all the quarters, all the regions as he was on his way. I, and I think, and we don't have perfect proof of this, but he was checking out the reports of, not Stephen, because he had passed, he had, he had been martyred, but of Philip, 
If you remember Philip, after he, after he brought the message to the Ethiopian eunuch in chapter number 8, he then went on to Caesarea. And Caesarea and Joppa and, and, uh, and Lydda are all in the same region. I think that's not an accident that took place there. So Peter was journeying on his way, more than likely took the same route as, the, as, as Philip would have taken. And, and he went down in that region, and there as he was going, verse 32, or verse 32, it says, And it came to pass as Peter passed through all quarters. He came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. He had to pass through Lydda. Lydda is a, a prominent place in the Old Testament. Well, it's, it's mentioned a few times of the fa- of one of the families of in the Promised Land are mentioned there of being of Lod, L-O-D, pronounced Lod, which would be the family Lod and Ono, not Yoko, were actual brothers that would would inhabit that area of the of the region. So he was in that area. Those in Lydda that were that were there would have been the same people they would have journeyed into Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts there in Jerusalem. So the day of Pentecost, some of those people would have been there. They would have heard the news in Acts chapter 2, Peter's gospel, his message in in chapter 3 and chapter 4, and they would go back to their places, back where they lived. And then hence, hence the the, uh, Philip, would preach to the Ethiopian, who also was a convert to Judaism as well, and he would go back, and so this message would continue spreading outward. Remember, remember it went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. So this was the message that was going through. And so what happened here, oh, wait a minute, let's go to one more place here. Let's go to, to, to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Because we'll, we'll be there soon enough, I don't know, the next year or two when we get there. Uh, I want to look at just verse number 7. Verse number 7. Just these words here. And when there, there had been much disputing... Peter rose up and said unto them, the disputing, because when they were in Jerusalem at what's called the Jerusalem Council, he had those in Jerusalem saying the Gentiles, they need to follow all the, all the works of the law. And then, and then Peter actually was on the side of Paul saying, no, only that they abstain from, from offering to idols, offering blood uh, of idols. That was the only thing they had uh, to do. And so verse 7 continues and says, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us. See, that's what God chose those apostles. They chose him, them, to preach to the lost sheep of Israel. That's what, what Jesus told them to go. Don't go the way of the Gentiles. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. God made choice among us that the Gentiles... Look at this. By my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So it was Peter that was chosen by God to open up the gospel to the Jews. Paul, I mean to the Gentiles. Paul would become 
the apostle of the Gentiles, but it was Peter through the Lord who paved the way for that to happen. That's what we see happening in the last verse of chapter 9 of the book of Acts and in chapter 10 as well with the conversion of Cornelius. So we'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, in verse number 8 here, I know I was only going to go to verse 7. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So here in Acts chapter 15, this is where the, the transition kind of meets together. The beginning of the book of Acts is all focused on the Jews, and then going to chapter 15, especially going into 16, we see the transition to the Gentiles, that no longer would they believe and be baptized, they would just believe that the gospel would be only by grace through faith with nothing else attached to it. So that's where it is here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. This could be under, under one of the most misunderstood places in the Bible. Matthew chapter 16, I think you know where I'm going with this. In verse number... Let's go to verse, uh, verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Peter would have that, that revelation. And verse number 18 says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, church here would be building the assembly, building the kingdom, by, according to the next verse. But ultimately, the, the kingdom would be transferred over to the church. Right now, we don't have the kingdom. That's been put in abeyance. We have the church, which is a called out, called out assembly by God through grace, through faith. Now, verse number 19 says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So he had the keys of the kingdom, and he would use those keys, and he would unlock also the gospel to the Gentiles. We'll see how that happens in the next chapter. So the keys of the kingdom were given to Peter. Peter was not the pope of the church, as, as some people would say. He was the apostle, his key. He had all the, all the revelation from God. He had the Old Testament, and that would be used for the kingdom. And his, that kingdom, the gates of hell will not prevail against it because that kingdom is not alive and well today. That kingdom will be coming when the Christ, the Messiah, returns and rules over it. But that key was unto Peter. You know, Peter will be one of the 12. They'll be sitting on 12 thrones in the millennium. He will be there. They will rule and reign in the kingdom. 
But those keys also are used by him through his mouth to bring the gospel, to open up that door of salvation to the Gentiles, of which we are part of today. It's amazing that how that happened. And again, it was due to the rejection of that king and of that kingdom that we have salvation today. Praise the Lord for that. I always think of it that, that if the Jews had not rejected their Messiah, we would have no hope today. But here's where foreknowledge comes in. God knew that his people would reject the king. He knew. So from way back when, the cross, from the foundation of the world, the cross was seen. Individual salvation was not seen, but that cross was seen to deliver his people. And there would be an earthly kingdom and there would be a heavenly kingdom as well. See, the, the literal New Jerusalem will one day come out of the heavens and will be here. I can't wait for that day. I hope to see that, have a bird's eye perspective. You know, I remember I used to get thrilled when I had front row seats to see my favorite band. Imagine the, what, the, what it will be like to see the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven. Wow, it's going to be the most glorious thing going. Imagine what it will be like to actually see the streets of gold and all the things that are surrounding it. It's amazing how, how God will work things out. So, so back to Acts chapter 9. Back to Acts chapter 9. And again, the, the, the commission to the apostles in, in Acts chapter 1 was to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of, of the world. And Peter fulfilled that in Acts chapter 3 through Acts chapter 5. Stephen, in Acts chapter 6, he went to Judea, went to the Hellenists in Judea, and he was rejected. And then Philip went to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Now we have... Peter, once again, that, that will go to the uttermost parts, uh, the uttermost parts of the world in going to Joppa and Caesarea and, and Lydda at this time. And then what would happen, the end of Acts chapter 8, we have Paul going to Caesarea as well, and he went back to Tarsus. Acts chapter 13, he's going to end up coming back because Barnabas is going to take a, a stroll. He's going to jump on his private plane. And he's going to go over and he's going to pick up the Apostle Paul over in Tarsus in Turkey. And he's going to bring him to Jerusalem and they're going to sit down together, in, or to Antioch rather, in Acts chapter 13. And they will be commissioned. First Paul will go to the Jews there in Antioch and he'll be rejected. And him and Barnabas says, well, because of that rejection, lo, we go to the Gentiles. And there, right there is Paul's commissioning right there to go to the Gentiles because of that rejection. So Peter, in the uttermost places in Acts chapters 9 through 11, and verse, verse number 19 of Acts 11, if you go, go a little further, Acts eleven nineteen. I was still in 15 in my Bible. Without reading this whole, whole chapter here, go down to verse 19 for a second. Verse 
verse number 19 says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. See that? The pre this is what happened with the dispersion of the saints in Jerusalem, with, with the trials that were coming upon them, with the per persecution. And, and some of them were, verse number 20, and some of them were near Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So we see how this spread of this message would, would continue to go on throughout the world. And then starting in Acts chapter 13, the message of the grace of God would just permeate the entire world to which we are benefit, beneficiaries today. So let's, well, I'd like to keep on going here, but let's not. Let's leave it at that. We can see the spread of this message. Again, the transition between the kingdom message and the gospel of grace is taking place here in these mid-chapters uh, mid of the book of Acts. And we'll see it fully once we get into Acts 16. Paul is dealing exclusively with just grace through faith, not the kingdom message at all. So back to back to Acts 9. We'll just kind of go through it. So this is a historical narrative from this part, these two healings in Lydda and Joppa, in these uttermost parts of the parts of the world at the time, are there to verify the message. Again, the healings in the New Testament were not for self-glorification. They were there to verify the message that was spoken. They were, when Jesus healed, there was to verify his message that he was the Messiah. When his sent ones, the apostles, when they healed, it was for that same reason that this very same Jesus is the Messiah. So let's look at it. It's not, not really a whole lot to, to go through. It's amazing how so many people today will will take these passages and they'll try to patent themselves. They'll try to take their place of Peter. Well, you need to be like Peter and you need to lay hands on the sick. You need to do that. But really, the only people that could perform those messages in the apostolic day were those that were sent by Jesus for the one purpose, to verify the message. Nowhere do we have any pattern that we can do that same thing. And that's evident in Acts chapter 9. And uh, I think I might have covered a, a lot of the places in the New Testament where why did they wait for Paul? Why did they wait for Peter? Why did they wait for Jesus to come? If everybody had the gift of healing, they could have just slapped their hands on the people and healed them. But these, these, these miracles were only for certain people and for a certain reason and that was the verification of who Jesus was. So, so back to Acts chapter 9, verse number, what were we at, 32? So, so Peter went throughout all the quarters, all the region as he was going. He came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there was found a certain man named Enos. So a certain man, a specific person. Is there anybody named Enos around here? Nobody named Enos. I can't do it. I can't pr pronounce a miracle on you. Maybe you have some, some Enos miracle that needs to be done. 
perhaps you are laying it in your bed of finances. Yes, you've made your own bed. You've made a lot of financial decisions <laughs> that were wrong. But let's look at what it says. This is an exclusive event. A certain man named Enos, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. That doesn't mean that he made his bed for eight years and when eight years were over, he left it messy. It means he was bedridden because he had palsy, because he, had, he was... Uh, because he could not walk. And, and by the way, the word palsy here, we, we might recognize it. It's the word paraluo. Sound familiar? Somebody that can't walk is paralyzed. So we know he, he was paralyzed and could not walk. He didn't just have an earache or, or headache that could easily be healed. He could not walk whatsoever. And was sick of the palsy, and Peter said unto him, this sounds a lot like Acts chapter 3 with Peter and John with a paralytic outside of the temple gate. You know, we rise up and walk. You know, silver and gold have I none, but we have what we have I give unto thee. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. It's a great kid song, but, but that was a specific event that, was take, that took place in a public venue for all to see the miracle that Peter and John had performed in the name of Jesus. Again, not a pattern for today. And Peter said unto him, Enos, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron, or Sharon, saw him and turned to the Lord. I'll tell you, if we were in those days and there was a real apostle like Peter around that was running around, going around and doing these events, people would truly turn to the Lord. But unfortunately, that's not what's happening today with the different healers out there. Usually they're psychosomatic illnesses that didn't really get healed, but, but Peter and the apostles genuinely healed to have testimony of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at the effect of that. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. They caused them to repent and turn to the Lord. God did indeed grant them repentance and given those miracles for them. Again, they were primarily Jewish people who were saints, but were in the uttermost parts of the world. Now, verse number 36. So first is in Lydda, or Lod, in, in the Hebrew. Next is Joppa. Joppa, a certain, it should sound like a familiar place, Joppa. Now today, the modern city of Jaffa on the coast. It's still a seaport in, in Israel. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple. There's no other Tabitha around, just like there's no other Enos's around, a certain disciple, this was just for Tabitha. And not a promise for everybody, this was for a certain disciple. Named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. Uh, which by interpretation is Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. 
that's interesting. Why is he put Tabitha and Dorcas and it's interpreted as Dorcas, which means gazelle. He was like a gazelle. I, I think it's there because it showed that she was a busy person, a strong woman of faith. And we can see the works that she did with other widows here. Uh, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Now, there's going to be a parallel in chapter 10. Cornelius, an Italian. See, it's, they went out to Italy from then. And the gospel would spread soon of the Italian band. Now, are there any famous Italian bands today? No. no. <laughs> That's, uh, never mind. <laughs> uh, he was of the Italian band, and he was the same thing. He was a, a person that, that had good works. He was a person that, that gave alms and gave offerings to those. He was a, what we would call a good man. But, of course, there's no such thing as a good man. He was a sinner that did good things. So much for the, the doctrines that say God ordains evil things from evil people. Uh, he, he did good things, even though he was lost. And, and Peter would bring that gospel message, again, the transitional gospel message, he would be saved by grace through faith there in Joppa. So it came to pass, uh, oh, Nate, where was I? This, there was a in Joppa a certain people, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Tell that to uh, to Benny Hinn or somebody that don't think they're going to die. You know, she was sick and died. You know, there, there are people running around saying they have witnessed and caused people to be resurrected from the dead. I want to know who those certain people are. See, the Bible says there was a certain disciple. Right here, here's her name. You can look her up. She really worked. She re this really happened. And for as much as Lydda, she died whom, when they had washed, they laid her in, upper ch in an upper chamber, and for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that, that he would not delay to come to them. So they had heard about the miracle of Enos. And so they knew, hey, Peter's here. Peter just caused this man Enos to be healed of his palsy. Maybe he can come and maybe he can do something about Dorcas, or about Tabitha. And again, I always pose this question, why didn't somebody there just claim the gift of miracles and, and healing and just raise up herself? Because they were only for the apostolic witness. Only certain people could heal at certain times, and those were the ones that were called by God with that specific purpose of the gospel to do so. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. You can picture that, all these widows together, that, that Dorcas or Tabitha had made them garments that they wore, and they were so glad about that. They were, they were missing their friend that had provided these things for her natural human reaction when, when death happens. They'd miss her. They'd miss her fellowship. They'd miss her company. 
And they'd also miss the coats that she had made. Look at it. It's a tangible, tangible evidence of what she had done. And there she was, laid out in the bed, washed and prepared for burial. That's what washed means there. So you were ready to have a, a time of, of viewing. And then she was ready to be put to rest. And they had this idea, let's get Peter. What can he do? So there she was in, in the bed, all the women weeping for her. Doesn't say how many women there were, but there were multiple women weeping for her and showing what she had done for them. Verse number 40, but Peter put them all forth and kneeled down. Basically, he said, get out of the way, chicks. <laughs> get out of the way, ladies. He kneeled before them and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Now, no delay. She opened her eyes and sat up. No, I think I feel something in my leg happening right now and it's I feel heat moving up my body, and oh yeah, I can move my hands, and that, that feeling goes away in a half hour after all your emotions are gone. She had there was a genuine resurrection performed by in the apostolic mystery, uh, not mystery, the apostolic ministry of Peter. She was here, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. I think of when you have a marriage. I'm not comparing this to marriage, but <laughs> when you have a marriage, the closing part of the cemetery, I almost said cemetery. <laughs> the closing part of the ceremony is you turn the bride and groom around and you say, I now present to you Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. They have now, both of them have, been, have died to themselves and are together as one. He did the same thing with, with Dorcas. He presented unto her alive, truly risen, truly alive. If this was not a spiritual re uh, resurrection of some unnecessary thing today, she really did rise. Look at verse 42. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Again, I'm sure if there were healings that genuinely took place, if there were true apostles, many people would turn to the Lord. But that's not happening. Because what we need now today is simply the word of his grace. The word of God is sufficient. It's sufficient to save. It's sufficient to keep one saved. It's sufficient for all things. And that's what we have I'm afraid miracles or so-called miracles will only take people away from the Lord in these days. Not to say that miracles do not happen. They do happen on individual basis. We just do not have miracle workers doing these things. So-called prophets that are coming to, to do these works. Why do they always go to arenas and churches? Why not just go directly to the hospital? Why not just go clean out St. Vincent's Hospital? You know, Kenneth Copeland 
I like to always mention him because he's such a fruitcake, but, uh, you know, he was blowing the coronavirus. <laughs> blowing the coronavirus. I think he blew it up here. It left Texas and it, it took up a northeast wind and it came up here. So we need somebody here to blow it back down to Texas. <laughs> Go back. What nonsense. But people are following this stuff because they don't see what's literally written in the scriptures. All right, now verse number 43. Again, this is, this is a key verse in, in turning the key of Peter, opening the gateway to the Gentiles. And it's a simple verse, but again, I, I think it's key. And it came to pass that as he tarried, he had to stick around that area. As he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. This is God putting Peter to the test. So if you know anything about the law, it was unlawful for a Jew to go into any place that had the carcasses of animals. The Simon, the tanner, interesting too how God worked it out. Simon Barjonas, or Simon Peter, he happened by chance to go and dwell with this tanner. Nothing more is said, which is interesting. Could have given all kinds of details. Oh yeah, he had heads of bulls on the wall and pigs on one side and Peter walking in going, ah! This is unclean. I can't be here. But that's what a Jew would do because all these things were unlawful. So God is setting him up for his meeting with Cornelius by the vision that he would have in chapter number 10. This transition is amazing. How God would take these people and would use them to bring his message to the people that they once considered dogs and pigs and use Simon the Tanner in order to do that, to break Peter down to simply believing in what Christ did. Anybody remember what happened when Jesus said he was going to die? He wouldn't be there. I'm going to die. He won't be with me. Oh, no, we can't let that happen. What did Jesus say? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. See, that's what Satan's plan all throughout history has been to stop Jesus from doing his, doing his, or, or going on his mission. Number one, to save the lost sheep of Israel. That is, that is still number one. The lost sheep of Israel will be saved when Christ returns. A remnant throughout history will be saved, will be kept for that time. Secondly, Jesus is going to come and he's going to restore the cursed world. We'll have a beautiful world, a beautiful kingdom with no more sin and suffering. And then that's all going to be fulfilled and Jesus will bring in the new Jerusalem for eternity. Ultimately, that's our goal. We're not, we're not bound for happiness here on earth. We're bound for an eternity with Christ Jesus. 
Amen. I love how this narrative plays out. That the people who rejected him, well, one day he will still keep his promises to the same people. But yet in the meantime, while those promises are in abeyance or, or put forth for a future time, will take place. Amen. We have today only one hope. Only one peace, and that's in what the Lord Jesus Christ did. You know, sometime, anytime now, the rapture could happen, and the prophetic timetable for Israel, and hence the world, will take place. Immediately will be tribulation. It's like, it's like I said, the, uh, my notes from, what's the date? What's the date we were last year? Yeah, whatever, March. Oh, yeah, here it is. Nope, they're all over. Uh, March 15th, since March 15th, those notes are there, and we picked up right where we left off. So, too, will the Lord Jesus Christ, and the promise of the kingdom will come when the church is gone, will be taken out, and the kingdom program will pick right up. And once again, it'll be Peter and those apostles sitting on 12 thrones in that kingdom. But our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ alone today. Amen. What a promise that is. Something, you know, it's, uh, I think I use this analogy. I don't know if it's, is Kmart going out of business or they went out of business, right? I can't, there's so many businesses going out of business now. It's crazy. But Kmart used to have the blue light special. Anybody ever go to the blue light special? And you go and there's somebody doing a demonstration on Ginsu knives and stuff. Only for a limited time while the blue light is on. While the blue light is on, you can get this Ginsu knife that was $99.95. You can get it for $39.95. Right? That took place. But as soon as that blue light special ended, when that blue light turned off, it went back to $99.95. We have a type of that blue light special today that we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know when this age we're in is going to end and the rapture happen. It could be instantly. But our hope is in Christ alone. 